The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Trusting in His graces, are are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood? In the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed? Are you washed? In the blood In the blood In the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless? Are they white as are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Some glad morning when this life is over I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore I'll fly away Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6. Love is as strong as death. Love leads you to pour out all that you have 
for that which you love, for that which you treasure. Every man goes where his love carries him. If it is the world that you love, you will be carried to the world. But if it's truth that you love, if it's Jesus that you love, your love will carry you all the way to his heart. If it is not Jesus you love, love will leave you in the end at the prison door. And your life will be over. From the very earliest days of my childhood, I loved Jesus Christ. I had deep conviction in my heart I would come home from a worship service listening to the preaching of the word and I would weep and my parents would say, Raymond, why are you crying? And I'd say, because there's sin in my heart. And they'd say to this little boy, what sin is there in your heart? And I'd say, I love the comics I love the comic books I don't want to but I keep finding them so they would instruct me to repent to pull all the comic books out from under my mattress where I'd been hiding them and dad would take me very kindly to the burn pit, and we would burn them. I would come home often from church, weeping and saying, can I go to heaven now? I don't want to live here anymore. Oh, but Raymond, we would miss you so much. Yes, but I miss Jesus so much. I want to live with Jesus. This world is so dark. I used those terms as a child. And then began a process of growing up, being instructed by the Lord regarding what my work would be. Some of it is yet to be fulfilled. In fact, the major portion is yet to be fulfilled. Revival in America. I've been praying now for 65 years for revival in America. And I understood revival to mean the power of God coming down and transforming lives, changing us, putting us in a way with Jesus that we walked clean. But then as I went off to high school, a boarding Christian school, and college and seminary, and I learned all of these things. I lost my fire for Jesus. I lost my love for Jesus. Oh, I was still, I would have told you, oh yes, I love Jesus. 
but it wasn't the intensity of the young years of my heart and my life. And that's when I began a great search. I began questing, searching for the truth about Jesus. I heard so many things from so many different people and from so many different preachers. I didn't know what was true and what was false. My dad was a very godly man. But he believed what he was taught in the Seventh-day Adventist church. That it was a matter of faith and works that saved you. I knew that couldn't be true because I didn't have the right works in my life regardless of how hard I tried. And then I heard a preacher proclaiming justification by faith in the Adventist community. And by that I mean He preached that justification was a legal term, a forensic term. He preached that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, all of our past sins are forgiven and that we're saved. What troubled me about this was that there was no salvation from sin. And I was told repeatedly, don't worry about it, Ray. God loves you unconditionally. You should be able to say without any doubt, without any hesitation, I am saved and I am going to heaven. I've heard so many people make that boastful claim, but the evidence of their life is simply not sufficient to back up the boast of their claim. They still walk in disobedience and sin. I remember some years ago I went to a mall. I was just walking. It was freezing cold outside. I wanted somewhere was warm. And as I walked tears began to flow down my face and I began saying to the Lord Lord how can I be saved I don't understand how I'm to be saved I'm a sinner how can I be released from my sin the burden was so heavy on my heart cried out to the Lord I walked I wept and I began to review the teachings that I had heard through the years when I was in seminary there was a new form of teaching it was called relational theology Relational theology simply meant you take the scriptures and you take the principles from it for healthy relationships. And so you teach and you preach 
about relationships. And of course, in seminary, several professors proclaimed that we must teach relational theology, psychologized theology, psychologized gospel of Jesus, that we had to make the gospel relevant to men in our day. That didn't quite make sense to me because it seemed to me that I had to be made relevant to the gospel, not the gospel to me. And part of what I saw happen in my life, I have witnessed in many of your lives. You listen to Christian radio and Christian television. You read Christian books and Christian magazines. And out of all of that, you collect a homogenized body of knowledge that you believe is the gospel of Jesus Christ. but it's been put in a blender and whizzed up and a little sugar added. It's been made into a into a smoothie. And so you drink that smoothie day after day as you listen to every broadcast that comes along. No discernment between what is right and what is wrong. Everything, it just flows over you like a comfortable warm rain. And it's comforting to say to yourself, I'm saved. I love Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven. But the evidence is not there in your life. Some of you trust in the Catholic Church. You go to Mass. You go to confession. You do the penance. And you say, Now I'm saved. The Father said, I'm saved. The Father said, I'm forgiven. Everything is good with me, but in fact, nothing is good with you at all. Because you don't know the truth as it is in Jesus. I have spent all of my life searching the scriptures and praying and pleading with God to unveil for me the truths of his kingdom that I might teach them honestly with integrity the way of salvation that is true, that is in accord with Jesus Christ, not in accord with the culture of psychologized pop theology. It's obvious to me that the psychologized pop theology doesn't work in our culture. It has allowed us to participate fully in the American dream and the American enterprise with no standards of righteousness. It's allowed us to live and gain the resources and the lifestyle that we desire, and then we have the comforting doctrines of Jesus to come along and say, now, when you're finished with this world, you're going to go to a much better one, and you're going to fly away soon. So just just put up with the inconveniences and and someday soon you're going to be saved how utterly deceived many of you are that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ 
That is not the teaching of Scripture regarding salvation. I was headed with my wife on vacation to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And a dear friend handed me a book and said, Pastor, why don't you read this while you're down in Florida resting? Well, I thought the title was interesting. It was The Sinning Christian. And so I took that with me, and frankly, it ruined my vacation. I was absolutely absorbed in it every moment, reading chapters aloud to my wife, and then when I'd get tired, she'd pick it up, and she'd go after it until she got tired, and then I'd take it again. And this man, Dr. Lavender, began to unveil for me the truth of the gospel that I'd never seen before. Oh, I'd seen it, but I didn't understand what I was seeing. I was so accustomed to the homogenized gospel, up to that point, all I could preach was repentance. I couldn't preach righteousness. And so for a number of years, this broadcast, I only preached repentance because that was as far as I personally had gone. You can't preach beyond what you already have yourself. And so as I began to understand John Wesley's teaching on perfection, John Wesley's foundation that he built that caused this great movement of Methodism to begin to burgeon and grow all over the world. Now today they have eviscerated the gospel. I know very few Methodists who believe the true gospel of Jesus. They've bought into the homogenized lie and now it is simply a denomination identity card it is not the gospel of jesus that causes me great sadness of heart but i come back what is the gospel of jesus well gospel means good news so what is the good news of jesus The good news of Jesus in simplest terms are these. That you are hell bound and no hope of an eternal life. But if you hear the gospel of Jesus, you hear the good news. You hear that there is a complete deliverance for you through the fellowship of the blood with Jesus Christ. What do I mean? I mean that if you will submit yourself and be crucified with Christ, you will be made unfit for this world and you will be made fit for heaven. 
A person who hears the true gospel of Jesus Christ does not continue to commit sin. Now, sin being defined by the scripture as lawlessness or voluntary rebellion against God. That's all sin is. A voluntary rebellion against God. The gospel teaches that that rebellion can be quashed, it can be stopped, and you can become one with God, one with Jesus Christ, one with the Father. Now this will result in such a radical change in your life that you will never be the same again. Now please understand The gospel of Jesus Christ is not good news if it does not deliver you now from all of the bondages of sin. Don't tell me the gospel of Jesus, the good news is that I'm saved, but I must continue to be ravished by the devil and overthrown time after time and walk in wickedness. And I'm to be told, there, there, just do the best you can and you'll get more rewards when you get to heaven. But you're saved. That is utter heresy. It's a lie. There is no such thing as a sinning Christian. Is there such a thing as a Christian who will, on occasion, perhaps, commit sin against God? Yes. But First John, the first chapter, the second chapter, tells us that in the case of this happening, and we repent, Jesus will come and he will purify us of all sin. So, we don't go back to it again. That's not how we walk. The mark of a Christian in Scripture is that they walk without sin, they walk redeemed by the blood, and changed into the likeness of Jesus. They are new creatures in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. The mark of a Christian is that they now have the power to say no to sin. They do not go back and rebuild what the Holy Spirit destroyed in them. And none of this is by my work. Oh yes, I'm called to endure the fiery trial. I'm taught to not allow the enticement, the bait, to draw me out, to cause me to sin. It is expected in the scriptures that a man or a woman who has been saved by the blood of Jesus has been washed and made clean. And they do not walk in any known sin against Jesus. 
there is no voluntary rebellion remaining in their hearts. Now, if sin is not voluntary to you, it is because you have not yet been born from above. You perhaps have religion, but you do not have salvation. Now, I'd like to take you to the scriptures. We're going to look at some of these things in the word. This is 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. I'm going to begin reading with verse 13. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to mankind. In other words, there's, you're not special. You're simply going through what all men in all ages have gone through. The temptation of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the power of the blood comes and breaks those and removes them from our hearts. It says, Now God is faithful, who will not permit you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also make the way out, so that being able, you endured from start to finish. Every temptation has a starting point and a finish point. And the Apostle Paul is telling us there is no reason for sin. Jesus will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. And with every temptation, he will offer you a way of escape so that you do not have to go through the rebellion against the Most High God. For this very reason, my beloved, you must flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. You must judge what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a fellowship of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a fellowship of the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we the many are the one body. For we all partake out from the one bread. Very simple. When a man or a woman is saved, he's not an Anglican or a Catholic or a Presbyterian or an Independent. He is instead a part of the fellowship of the blood of Jesus Christ. He is a part of the of the bread which is the fellowship of the body of Christ. We have communion in our fellowship on the first Sunday of each month. And some will not participate in the communion because they don't believe we're doing it quite right. They're thinking we don't believe quite right. So in their superiority, they say, no, thank you. And they turn down the broken body of Christ and the spilled blood of Christ. 
they deny Jesus. And remember, Jesus said, if you deny me before men and the angels, I will deny you before the Father. See, it's not about doing it right or believing the right way. It's about being transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ, being made into a new creature. It's not about church rule or church law. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. So the bread we break is the fellowship of the body of Christ. It's the fellowship of the blood of Jesus Christ. See, I call myself a Christian. What does the word Christian mean? Simply, a Christ follower. I don't like the word very much. It's been so maligned in our culture. And it seems to me that it's not definite enough in its statement. For I do not just follow Jesus Christ. I have become one with him. And he one with me. Oh, immature, yes, I'm still a child. But Jesus Christ is more than someone I follow. I'm a part of his fellowship of blood. I'm a part of the brotherhood of blood. I've laid all on the altar. I've saved nothing back. You can be a follower of Jesus from a distance. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 and then the people came following Jesus and he rebuked them saying, don't come for the bread and the loaves, the fish. If If you really want the truth, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. In other words, My body must be the sole source of nurturance for your spiritual life. Not workshops and seminars. Not psychologized, homogenized, cheap gospel. It must be the real deal. It must be the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood of Jesus. I am in fellowship. I'm in love with all men and all women who find their nurturance, who find their strength in the spilled blood of Jesus and in the broken body of Jesus. They are part of the the Holy Catholic Church not the Roman Church, the Holy Catholic Church, the Church Universal. But today that church is very small and most who call themselves Christians are apostate. 
because they are not of the of the blood fellowship they're not of the broken body fellowship because they still walk in sin and rebellion against the most high you can't walk in rebellion and in sin against Jesus Christ and think that you're going to be saved now it's taken me all of my life to search out these things that I share with you day by day the deep things of the spirit I can tell you without any equivocation I can tell you without any doubt in my mind Jesus loves you this I know for the Bible tells me so. But Jesus is blocked if you walk in rebellion against him, and he's not able to exercise the fullness of his love over you. So he keeps coming and wooing you and calling you as he has me, inviting me to come in deeper and deeper until finally we begin to recognize All sin must be laid down. Now I do not want you to become partakers of demons. You are not able to drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You are not able to partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We're not stronger than he, are we? And many of you find yourself saying, I'm a Christian. And then you find yourself feasting on the modern entertainment of this day. You find yourself yelling and screaming, angry and bitter with your family. You find yourself in conflict with others. You find yourself so full of you that you want to vomit. I don't want and I don't choose to be full of me anymore. I want Jesus. And I want to be full of Jesus. I want his character to be made manifest in my life. I'm not going to try to sit at the table of demons. It's very important that you know where you put your feet. Remember King Saul? He kept disobeying the Lord. He kept sinning against God until God finally wrote him off. Wouldn't speak to him anymore. So because he was very concerned about the nation and the war that they were facing, he said, go find me a witch and have them call up Samuel. Now, do I believe for a moment that they called up Samuel? Absolutely no. Demons have no power to call anybody up except other demon spirits. This demon spirit that came up absolutely condemned 
Saul and crushed him to the ground. And as he lay on the ground, the witch said, Come, 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 sit at my table and I will feed you. And he with his men got up and sat down at the witch's table. And they partook of the food of the witches. Now I want to read for you someone who did something dramatically different than that. In Psalm... Twenty-third, Let me read it. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now listen to this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Now David, King David, understood that he must put his feet under the table of the Lord and not the table of demons. He understood that love only flows from the heart of Jesus, never from the heart of demons. From the heart of demons comes condemnation and judgment, cursings. From the heart of Jesus comes love and joy. He said, you anoint my head with oil. In other words... When I come to sit at your table, you're hospitable with me, Jesus. You treat me like you love me. You pour my wine and my cup overflows. I can't contain all that you want to give me as I sit waiting for dinner to be prepared. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me. Curses will not pursue you. Darkness will not pursue you and have any luck against you. Instead, goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Please, I don't want to ever leave the house of the Lord. I've made a vow I will not leave his house. I will stay with my feet under his table. 
and I will feast on the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood of Jesus. It will be my strength and my courage. It will be my righteousness. It will be everything for me. I wake in the morning and instantly there is a smile on my face as I greet the morning. I know I'm in the presence of Jesus. I know his kindness in my heart. I know his love. I know his his wonderful presence is there. And I'm eager to put my feet under his table and let him fill my cup. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up. That's the normal Christian walk with Jesus Christ. Consumed by his glory, consumed by his love, consumed by his mercies that are new every day. This is why I love my Lord. He died on Calvary to include me in the fellowship of his blood and the fellowship of his broken body. I love Jesus. And by the mighty power of Jesus, he has released me from all rebellion against him. He has released me from walking in the way of wickedness. He has prepared a way before me. And that way always brings me back to his table where I sit with him in fellowship with him. Remember Revelation, the third chapter, Laodicea? I stand knocking at the door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. See, this is the life of the normal Christian. The normal Christian life is not sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent. Finally saying, well, I'm, I can't do anything else, Jesus. You'll just have to accept me the way I am. He will not accept you the way you are. You must be crucified with him. You must die to this body. Read carefully the, the sixth chapter of Romans. I'm going to open the phone lines. We have a few minutes. I could take one call today. Not on a topic that's off, but right in line with what I'm speaking about. Are you walking today without rebellion? Are you hungry for Jesus? I'd love to pray with you. Call quickly, 877-534-0780. 877-534-0780. We have time for at least one call. Do you need to be prayed for today? Is what I'm describing attractive to you? If so, call 877-534-0780. Now, while I'm waiting for that call, 
I invite you to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. We're a small church. We're not important. We're just people who have chosen to be a part of the fellowship of the blood. We don't have worldly fame or renown. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. We rent from them. They're a wonderful family church that's made a home for us. They're located at 14851 Gideon Drive. That's 14851 Gideon Drive. Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. Again, that's Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. I also would would like to invite you to contribute that this broadcast could be on the air if this is important for you if your love is for the true word of God would you sacrificially give to keep us on the air write to the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Thank you, all of you who have over the last month given so generously. I'm way behind in my thank you notes. I'm working on them, but it may take me a while. And please, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Subscribe. Have it sent to your iPhone or your Android. You'll find there podcasts and videos, resources to help you in this walk with Jesus, who will call you to walk straight, clean, and pure. So please, nationalprayerchapel.com. We evidently don't have a caller. Mr. Producer, is there a caller? Good. I'll take Alex. Hello? Hi, Alex. What would you like to share? I'm just uh, calling to say hi and uh, appreciate your prayers. Um, about this walk and um, I just uh, really appreciate your prayer just on my uh, walk with the Lord let's pray okay Lord Alex loves you with all of his heart but sometimes disappointments come in or fears come in or discouragement comes in. I'm asking, Lord, would you bind these things and cast them out in the name of Jesus? I'm asking today, would you pour your strength and your courage into Alex? Thank you, Lord. <coughs> Lord, don't let the enemy sweep him over, but encourage him and strengthen him. I pray in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. 
Thank you. God brother. bless you, Alex. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Mr. Producer, any other calls? And let's pray. Lord Jesus, your gospel has become so watered down, so very homogenized. Lies have been added to it so that it rolls off our backs like water off a duck's back. It's become a culture, Jesus. And Lord, it's not a culture that's righteous. It's a Laodicea culture of wretchedness and poorness and blindness and miserableness, but not even knowing it because we don't know what we're missing because our attention is on all the things of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Lord, I plead, come and awaken the church in America. Lord, don't let men and women listen to this word and then just roll it off and go about their daily business. But Lord, by the mighty power of your spirit, quicken it in their hearts. Lord, call men and women to repent. To turn aside from this false, homogenized, relational gospel. Away from the cutesy little inspirational sermons. Lord, let the men and women who stand in the pulpit begin to grab a hold of the real gospel and preach a strong message. Not a childish message that doesn't cut and doesn't call and doesn't convict. Lord, we're, we're sinking as a church in America. We're about to be washed away. Mighty God, I plead your mercy today on your church. For Lord, revival must begin in the house of the Lord. For if this is all we have, why would a non-Christian be interested in a psychological crutch? Lord, you didn't call for a psychological crutch. You called for a crucifixion and a resurrection and holiness without sin. To walk clean by the blood to be a part of the fellowship of the blood and the fellowship of the broken body. Lord, I plead, would you bring these precious truths home to every person listening today? Don't let them just listen on through the rest of the day to homogenize gospels and let this one be lost in their heart. Lord, open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we could hear. That you would turn and heal us. Lord, I thank you. I praise and I worship your mighty name. Amen. I pray today that as you've listened to this broadcast... 
you'll go back and very carefully read the entire book of Malachi, that you'll read the sixth chapter of Romans, and that you'll read in preparation for tomorrow the tenth chapter of the book of Hebrews. The tenth chapter of the book of Hebrews. How much time do we have, Mr. Producer? Okay. Well, we're out of time for today. I pray this has been helpful to you. Why why don't you let me hear from you? If this was helpful, let me know. I am very, very concerned. My heart is heavy. I'm spending much time in fasting and prayer for you. Saying, Lord, we have to have a breakthrough in this city. Men and women who are willing to lay their lives down for you. Enough of comfortable Western church and the entertainment and the foolishness. We need something real, authentic, something we can get our teeth into. Let me hear from you. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great